Welcome back to the Scribes Journal for part two of our Valentine's Day week. Uh, oh yeah, special. this is this is all about love. Yep, we're still talking about love and all the beautiful things that come with it, like Hate that. relational strife. So last week we started the concept of the trope therapist, in which Cupid is a relationship therapist that helps people through troped up relationships. And yep. we have our characters, we have their problems, and all we have left to do is formulate this into some kind of feasible plot that people would actually pick up and read. So, good luck us. Yes, good luck so, us. So, backing up a second, I am the Scrub of Worlds, your host, and I am joined as always <laughs> by the Violet author. <laughs> if this is yeah. your first time hanging out with us, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not. Welcome. Welcome to the chaos. Last time we were talking about how to format this and we had said either doing it like journal entries chronologically. So if our, our main character, so to speak, is this intern who's attending this Dr. C's sessions and writing notes and writing this final report for his practicum or whatever, our one thought had been to do it chronological. Uh, so like every Tuesday and Thursday and writing about whatever sessions were on those days, switching up characters every single chapter or doing it case by case. So taking it one person at a time uh, or one couple relationship thing at a time. My inclination is still to do it in the case by case. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is if I were to market this book, I would want to be able to market market it in a way where people could pick up the book and read a specific section that they like. For example, if there's if they really like the the miscommunication trope, then they could read that section, all of that story, instead of having to like read chapter three, chapter five. So I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of my mm -hmm. feeling. Again, at the end of the day, for our purposes, it doesn't really matter how we would format it, but yeah. that's just kind of some of the thoughts I'm having. Yeah, whenever you get two authors in a room, you're always going to have different ideas and you're always going to have different concepts on how things should look. And I think this is a great example because for me, when I think of the way that if we made this into a book, this book would be marketed, I find that I would want the overarching plot to be just as interesting of, what was his name again? We chose a really good name. Herman. I would want people to be just as engaged with Herman and Cupid's plot and have like little chapters where we're talking about that to help it feel more of like a storyline where we focus on Herman's day before he comes into the office for a session and almost like the two of them are both equally important so that the tropes themselves falling on the days that they do don't matter as much because you're still learning their story, but you've got enough filler in between, not filler, but like plot in between to make it all feel sure. like a good substantial meal. So for me, I'm looking at it from a holistic uh, timeline experience, and you're looking at it more from the focus of the tropes being the main focus, and Cupid and Hermie being more of like a side element or like a background element, I believe, but or like something that they can munch on. The readers can like munch on in the lore if they want to. Yeah, it it would it would be more the the setup I would do would be the initial like. This is because I, I probably would write it very much like a final report um, and then or have the setting, so to speak, be Herman as he's writing this final report. So he's thinking about things and then, uh, you know, sits down to type it. And maybe the first thing that he thinks about or the first thing he types is meeting Dr. C for the first time and kind of the interactions he has. And then you get into first uh, case. And during that, you're picking up notes as well as picking up things that are happening in the other cases, because um, maybe there's every so often a mention like to to another case or whatever. But then you don't actually get to that until until you read that case, which is very similar to what I'm doing in my current work in progress. So, you know, it kind of makes sense that my brain would go that way. And then in between each case, you would have those moments that you're talking about where he's thinking back to moments that he and Dr. C share before and after sessions. So again, for the purposes of this, 
it doesn't matter so much. But that's a really good point yeah, no, that doesn't. formatting and also like who who do you want your audience to be and who's going to be your audience trying to to match that. Anyway, right. formatting stuff aside. <laughs> right. I think the best way to do this is to decide how long he's there, how many days a week he's there, really the most important thing, how many sessions for each of these he is in. Because that way we can write out like, you know, session one, session two, session three. And I don't think we have to write all the sessions, but we can kind of get a brief idea of like what happens in the first session that he's in with the secret billionaire and kind of so jot down some We those want a ideas. basic timeline of his, his right. internship basically. So looking at this from a therapist's perspective, because as you might have picked up from this podcast, if you've been here before, I am in the social work world. All eldritch beings, uh, whether man, woman, creature, or Cupid, or Cupid, deserves a chance to express their emotions in a healthy environment. And so I have a good experience with some interesting clientele, such as our characters here today. I can say that for couples therapy, usually takes the first two sessions for the issue to actually come to light. Sometimes three, if people are a little more cagey. Takes around five to six sessions for things to get talked out and a plan to be put in place. And then we'll say it takes three more sessions for everything to wrap itself up in a nice little bow. Now that's obviously a generalization. Sessions don't always work that way. People don't always work that way. But in my world of beings, creatures, and departmental uh, <laughs> needs, we need to put numbers on things. And so it's kind of the numbers that we've seen. And if you don't agree with me, uh, go give the Loch Ness Monster a therapy session and then tell me how long it takes, really. So... We're gonna, we're gonna say. I have to admit, I have to admit though, just, just as a quick aside, that of all the cryptids, uh, the Sasquatch really does bring the issues forth really readily. Like he's so yeah. emotionally aware and he so, really is. like, and he's it's so really great. on breaking generational traumas and making sure that yeah. his kids grow up to feel loved and accepted and like exactly. confident in themselves. Um, it's, it's really, it was really like an honor to be there for that session for yeah, yeah because not many people get to be present for a sasquatch's therapy let alone an emotionally competent one yes <laughs> and other sentences that we've said out loud on this podcast great so let's jump in and talk about let's just quick decide how many sessions for each of these we're going to see so secret billionaire which is the first one on our list we are seeing the middle of that one so we're not we aren't getting mm -hmm. to see the introduction of these characters nor the conclusion of their stories we kind of get to see the probably we we start in at the second or third of those sessions so probably still being a little bit not cagey but like reticent is the word i'm looking for on sharing what they're feeling and what they're struggling with i'm writing numbers down right now and i need to explain describe what these numbers mean in my little uh in my little fun brain so I'm, I'm breaking these down into what I imagine these couples needing for their sessions in these three categories that we've broken down of introduction, body, and epilogue. So for the introduction, I picture for Secret Billionaire because they are both coming in willing and like open and wanting this relationship to work. I imagine this only needing, we'll say two opening sessions to, to really like get to the deepest of the issues because i feel like they've talked about this and like talked about it to the point where they're ready for therapy it's like self-medicating in a way and now they're actually going to a specialist yeah right like they've done little things to like already they're a therapist's dream they come in already being like we've tried a few things and they haven't worked and so we wanted to come to you for extra advice exactly. like right. the people yeah. who have worked on themselves before coming to therapy I'm going to say that the average for the body is going to be five, and I'm going to think that they're going to still be around that average of five sessions for that, like, they flex their emotional muscles, they they work on different things, there's a little bit of chaos. Maybe I'll even knock it down to four, because like I said, they seem like they know what they're doing. But I definitely think that they're going to have a longer end point, because even though they have a solution, it takes them a little while to like really allow themselves to fully open up to each other. Sure. So we start with them when at the end of theirs? No. So Secret Billionaire is in the middle. So my guess is that, so my thought is that maybe he's here for six weeks. So if it's on a weekly session schedule, they are, so they've already gotten through that initial two session 
weird whatever like figuring out who they are who the who the therapist is and now they're actually ready to dig into it Mm -hmm. so maybe that entire middle four section and one we could say two of that last part so it would be six sessions or we could say that they can't make a session one week and so it's just five sessions but either way so i would say five or six sessions for them Okay. So yeah, let's say that they start at middle stage session three, and then that'll okay. give us session three, session four, and then the one, two, three, four of the end. We don't we don't get to see them at the end. We don't get to see them at the end. Okay, so maybe so we start yep. fully at middle one. So middle one, right? Yeah. Middle one and ends at end two. End two. Okay, so he gets to see them starting to work out their issues, but he doesn't get that full closure. I want to pause and talk the audience through this for a second. This is the non-glamorous part of writing. This is the nitty-gritty sit down and plan for an hour on something that isn't dialogue or the fun plot or any of that. This is when you have to actually sit and do math and look up geography. I had once to sit down for three hours and plot out a road trip by using Google Maps and... Uh, a sunrise sunset uh, calculator from 2012 and it was it was tiring and it was annoying but when you want to use the real world and not use a fantasy world and we are using the real world you have to play by this earth's rules you can't make your own rules and that's one of the frustrating parts and that's why I feel like some people are more drawn to writing in a fantasy setting Because it can be fun to make your own rules and be like, yeah, I'll just say that the travel time from Varuna to Astaroth is four days. But here, if I need to calculate the distance between Houston and a random city in Florida, I need to pull up some things and do some research. And that's the non-glamour. So you're getting a little piece of this. We may not go through the verbalization of all of these. But you're gonna you're gonna hear a little bit of it because I feel like it's important for for writers to remember that it's not all just funsies. If you're really wanting to publish a book, sometimes you got to get into the nitty gritty. Scribe, do you have any examples of weird researches that you did for like multiple hours at an end? Yeah, I let me let me think here. Some some of them can be more fun than others. Like there was one that I was talking about tattoos. So I kind of got into a bunny trail of tattoos and like tattoo shops trying to to make a setting as realistic as possible. Other things are, you know, talking about making your own rules and how you can kind of adjust numbers and stuff. I've talked to you about the train story, uh, which is one of the most detailed world buildings I've ever done. And for that one, we had to figure out how to make I think it was like 76 years from the prologue. No, 76 feels too long. So many years from the prologue to the actual like start of the story. And we just sat there for hours like being like, okay, well, this is, you know, year zero and this is year 76 or whatever it was, you know, where do all the people fit in? And like we had to, we ended up having to kind of mess with some numbers a little bit and mess with some ages. It was a whole thing. So yeah, even if you are creating a fantasy world, you have to do this kind of research. And sometimes it's a lot of fun. This example that we're doing right now is is not as much fun. No, it's not. There's some research times where I, I have a research thing that I've been stuck on that's literally paused me working on a storyline for like six months where I need to figure out when, for the storyline purposes, when women were allowed in college, because I have to figure out when the story takes place, because I need it to be literally this perfect medium of women are in college, but it's still uncommon. And I have not been able to find the exact year that this becomes a thing, because the women's suffrage uh, years are not as well documented as many times in history, from my experience. So I've literally been stuck on this plot for years because I can't move forward until I know the timeline because the book that I'm working on is a prequel to a trilogy and I have to line up this dude as the grandfather for the main character in all three books and it's driving me nuts Yeah, I know how that goes. Okay, great. So... I had one thought. I like your timings on everything, but my thought on miscommunication trope, I would love if he only interacts with three at a time. And I would love if the miscommunication trope only takes up three sessions 
and like the last middle one and the two end. And then a new client comes in as the introduction and we get three with a new client. So we get to really see someone close out and then also an introduction to a new. Yes. So miscommunication trope and fake relationship are both three sessions a piece, whereas uh, love triangle and secret billionaire are both six sessions each secret billionaire and love triangle we get to see the middles of these two we don't get to see as much of the beginning or the ends whereas miscommunication we get to see the end and fake relationship we get to see the beginning i'm thinking of skipping into the love triangle a little bit not starting right from the beginning because i think it's going to take a moment for josephine yeah that's her name for Josephine to kind of start letting her guard down and talking about what's going on. And Interesting. So, okay. So so my thought was that if we skip that preliminary, like, hi, my name's Josephine. Hi, my name's Dr. C. We could kind of get more into it and instead be like, you know, Josephine's introducing herself to Herman was kind of was kind of my thought. I, I like that. I feel like maybe the, the reason that this happens is because she was at another time slot, but this one worked better. So she took it. Because I, I agree. I think it because it's, I want to start in the beginning stage. So our initial concept, we can change this. But what we had said last time was that the fake relationship was the one that we saw the beginning of. So that's why I said we would start oh! at the beginning and make it three sessions I in. I entirely forgot that. I thought love triangle was the one that we continued on. Okay. Sorry. Please fix that. I will get fake relationship marked up correctly. My apologies. Because I love that. I love that a lot more than the fake relationship thing. I feel like that fits a lot more. That should be correct. Yeah, because two, three, and then four. Great. Okay, so let's... Do we want to like go from the top and work our way down? Are we mapping out what happens in each of these sessions for all four? Or are we each going to take two and write one session for each? I think mapping it out for all of them together probably won't take too long. I think it'll be more fun. We can also skip around. Like, we don't have to do all six sessions. Like, we don't have to type out all six sessions. Or no, even come no, up with yeah, ideas but we can give, like, all... a basic overview. Right, like, session three to five, they're working on this idea or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's so, uh, yeah, I think I think that'll, that'll go. Gotcha. Okay, so with what I did up here, did like a basic run through of what I feel like the middle sessions would probably look like. I'm using a model that I've used before in therapy. So I mapped it out with Secret Billionaire. If you want to read that through real quick and just let me know when you have a minute, just let me know if you agree with how that looks. It's literally just bare bones health, like the ther how the therapy itself would break down oh, sure. without any characterization. Nice. I like it. Okay, so I finished the bare bones for Secret Billionaire, and you have finished right. bare bones for Fake Relationship. Fake Relationship, yep. So do we want to quick talk through those and move on to miscommunication? Yeah, yeah we don't want to be the miscommunication trope, so let's... <laughs> so yeah, let's check in. I think it's very interesting. You started with the first whole session, the couple not admitting that they were in... Yeah. A relationship. Yeah. I expected so this you is to the go fake with the relationship. route of... Yeah, yeah I, I expected you to go with the route of, like, halfway through the first session, they break. Well, so here's the thing. I want Dr. C to use it as a teaching experience for Herman and basically testing him, like, how well do you can you judge a real or fake relationship because dr c looks at it and he knows right off the bat like he knows that these two aren't together all that stuff and so he kind of wants to so that's why he waits and the couple doesn't break because they want to get through this and so so he so asks well did you know he's playing anything? the long game for herman's right. benefit right exactly which makes sense at this point he's seen three weeks worth of sessions this is almost Dr. C's like test to see like are you yeah, really picking stuff up point. here? Are you really learning? Yeah. And I, I think like. and I think maybe Herman through like leading questions from Dr. C is able to come up with the conclusion of like, oh yeah, something does seem off about their relationship and I can't quite place my Oh yeah. Like and so then in the next in session two, Dr. C is able to like pull it out of the couple and and they they admit that yeah, they aren't actually in a relationship. And then I think that's that reveal 
and then kind of the situation surrounding of like why they have to have a fake relationship is the entirety of that session. And then the session after that, they're like, well, we have to come keep coming because even though we're honest with you, we have to keep appearances for everyone else. So we'll see you next week. The following week, they're able to be like, okay, here's whatever it is that's going on. And then I think, I think we don't get to see the resolution. I think there is a hint that they are going to fall in love with each other through the counseling sessions. That's just the, that's just the trope, my guys. I would love for them, like you were saying at the end of that last session for Herman anyway, um, for them to have like a really, like a brief moment, like a pause of like a, huh, you're actually not that bad. And we actually agree on way more than I thought. So yeah, I would love for even as we leave for the audience to get that feeling of, oh yeah, they're going to be fine. Kind of like moment. Maybe it's something like they walk out and they hold hands before they get to the door. When it used to be like they would only hold hands, like they're like, okay, here we go. And, you know, the the man like holds out his hand and right. And the, the lady. And this time it's just like, ready? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah. And they like walk out of the session together holding hands and. They can have both. They can be cute. They can be cute. Look at me. Out. Romance. And they said I couldn't do it. And they said I was incapable. They said the curse had removed love as an emotion from me. Ha ha! Shows you what they know! Ha ha! I thought, I thought that you had just been born without it. Anyway, yeah, so for Secret Billionaire, I really like how it fits that the Secret Billionaire couple is like our perfect... I don't want to say perfect, but like the therapist dream is what she said. Yes. And yes. I, I really like that they're following the set order of like, this is how sessions go. And this is like what goes on. It feels very Free secret them. billionaire-esque. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Very them. Um, so yeah, I really like that. And I also really like having a example of a healthy but imperfect relationship where it points out that you can have a relationship that you're trying to work stuff out in and it's still okay to go get therapy and counseling uh, even yes. in that you don't you don't have to have all of the answers it's okay to go to go see a specialist oh, right and you don't have to be a sasquatch to be emotionally competent it's true it's true it's true so be a yeti and don't be a loch ness mm, mm-hmm. yeah this uh, is great okay. miscommunication know- Sorry, I'm cutting you off. That that feels... <laughs> you are completely okay. Um, also fitting, I was just going to say, yeah, it, I'm very glad that through a series of fortunate events, my first foray into writing romance has been in my field of expertise because that helps me a lot as a person. <laughs> yes. We start with the last of the middle sections. They are finally figuring out how to follow the things that they have talked about this whole time, right? So they've been putting stuff into practice. It's starting to go well. And now we're getting ready to come into the ending few sessions to kind of wrap up, debrief, close out, that kind of thing. So I think this as kind of a contrast to the ending ones of uh, the billionaire, uh, because obviously we don't get to see the end of the billionaire's arc but i think so we see them kind of coming down from this miscommunication they've gone through the whole process the as they come into the ending sessions things could be resolved and done in that first end session but both clients and counselor agree that they probably should come back just one more time to really wrap things up make sure there's a full debrief a full acknowledgement of everything and then they come back for that last one they kind of reflect on how the changes have gone how they've impacted them and they are no longer finishing each other's sandwiches that's what i that's that's what i was gonna say Nice. That was Violet's nice. joke. I just, I stole it. Yay! We did the funny! Okay, now, if someone has said that line in the Frozen song, finish each other's sandwiches. That's what I was going to say, is the first time that Hans actually thought about letting her die. Yeah, when he gets, he caught the ick. He, he caught the exactly. Ick. He was he's, like, he's mm, like, yeah, okay, sure. Not, not the word association I was going for. I've seen that TikTok and that's just the funniest thing because that's like, that's what people do too. They just totally play it off and then it like runs in their mind for the length of a feature film. Yep. And then they leave them to die. 
so let's head over to love triangle in this one so cupid i'm feeling like in the beginning in the very first session which is the one we don't get to see cupid is probably already pinpointed the issue he's he's gotten a lot more out of her than he would have if herman was there maybe again because he's mm -hmm. kind of using this to to see what herman knows or doesn't know and so so the client is already super comfortable with Cupid and is ready to kind of like come in and start talking about like these two guys that she's she's stuck between and can't figure out who to who to go for. I think between session two and three, I want these two beginning sessions to kind of give us a a general picture of both of these characters. And the way I think we should do it is in this session, she paints a glowing, beautiful picture of the hero of her story, of like how morally upright and how great and how brave and how strong and all of this stuff. And then a rather negative picture of the other one. And then in session two, it's not so much that the stories flip, but she expresses more, uh, I should say session two, in the second session that we see her in, Herman's second session. She starts just kind of revealing more of her actual feelings of, well, Arctus is a great guy, but he never really notices me. And what's the other guy's name? Tally is really terrible with most people, but he's genuine and he's kind and he sees me and he doesn't just see me. He sees the little guy and he, he he's there for people even while he's thinking about blowing up the city, you know, and, and I don't I don't think he's a I don't think Tally should be a supervillain. I don't think he should be a superhero supervillain. I think it's just no, like, no, no, I think it's I think it'd be funny to do like a literal Megamind and uh, whoever Megamind's vil the hero was. Let's be real. None of us cared. Markiplier knockoff. But I <laughs> We all thought it. We all saw it and we all thought it. I, I didn't, but okay. Look up Hero from Megamind right now and versus Markiplier. And you will see the side by side that the internet has created of these two fantastic people. But anyway, as much as I would love to have that drastic difference, I feel like it could be even just something like small. Like they're on a college campus and the hero is like the head of the football team and like so virtuous and honorable. Scribe has begun to have a visible mental breakdown. Scribe, over to you. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, it's very much Markiplier. It's just not. It's just Markiplier. It's like Dollar Tree Markiplier. <laughs> It's Markiplier animated and with a beard. It's just Markiplier, which everyone found very funny when the movie came out. But anyway, I don't even know if it has to be something big, even if it's just like not the regular like college students thing. Maybe it's like she's been dating Hero for such a long time, but she's always like secretly. She's like recently started to know us like her brother's best friend, who's like this kind of like hard ass and this like serious, like more like serious, more like biker type is actually like super sure. sweet and thoughtful. And she's like, huh, like it doesn't have to be drastic as much. I love drastic. I would like I would love to lean into the drastic. Like I, I don't know I don't know how exactly because we are trying to play with the natural world and not so much with like a fantasy dystopian as much as I would love to do that with just this oh, trope yeah. only and none of the others. I'm I'm trying to figure out some way that these two are vying for control of something. And that could be everything from like student government to a local paintball tournament. I don't know, whatever. But whereas Arctis is doing everything like by the book and following all the rules and trying to do it the right way. Tally is bending or breaking the rules as much as possible using skullduggery and just trying to come out on top whatever it takes. And so there's still that element of like really moral great person, but kind of dismissive. And this, you know, morally ambiguous, why are they doing what they're doing? But who's really caring? That's kind of my... So my thought was so we have the first session with her being vague about her issue and kind of giving like uh the hero like a lot of praise the second one the villain being like a little more willing to open up about him but then feeling almost selfish for liking him because to her it's for selfish reasons and cupid validating that being like no it's okay to want to be loved in a relationship it's okay to want to be feel important and be feel paid attention to my thought was what if the first middle session instead of it being like let's put a plan in place what if it just starts off with like a i need to know what to do very soon because they both know through a series of unfortunate events that the other likes me 
And now they're both trying to get to me and I have no answer for them. So my thought was instead of doing what we've done with the other sessions was like, we need to put a plan in place. It's that it's like, we need to talk this through now. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we wanted to put that as a like a bigger conflict later on, maybe a, a session or two down. But I do get I do get putting it there just because if we put that immediate like pressure on it, how do we escalate or de-escalate from there? Because that feels like a fairly high tension point. And mm-hmm. with uh, three more sessions to go after this. And then more besides that, that we don't see. Are we going to continue to rise the tension? Is that a moment that we want in middle two or middle three? Like, do we want that a little bit later in the sessions? And I think maybe in this one, we could even have her be nervous. Like, I think I think Arctis might know Tally and I are, you know, uh, and and... And I think Tally might actually be like showing attention to me specifically and not just showing attention because he shows attention. And then I don't know. What do you think? So my thought was that the two would find out and that for the next few sessions, like two sessions, it would be like they're almost trying to outdo each other and her trying to process through each of their attempts and how it makes her feel and process also through how she feels suddenly being at the center of it. And maybe at the end of this, the third middle session, she's like, you know what? I'm done being this little pawn that they're trying to use to one up the other. I'm going to have a sit down discussion with both of them. And we're going to see how it goes. And either that conversation would be the last thing we hear. And she either doesn't show up for middle four or that is middle four. Or middle four is when she surprises Cupid and brings them both in for a session. Or hear me out. Yeah. She gets them both in and then leaves. And she's like, I'm going to go use the bathroom. And Cupid turns to Herman and goes, watch the window. And as they're like talking, Herman sees her like booking it across the parking lot to her car. <laughs> getting in and this skrrr out of the well, driveway. So my, my thought is she makes the plan like she says to Arctis, like, I want to figure this out. Let's go to therapy together. And then she says to Tally, like, meet me at therapy. I think that I want to talk to my therapist about this. And so she shows up <laughs> with, with the hero. Oh and then God. the villain walks in like a couple seconds later and it's like, what's going on? And maybe she's already excused herself to go to the bathroom. And like, it's just the three guys sitting there chatting yeah, she or like, whatever. She, she, sit, she sits the hero down. She gets him comfy. She's like, oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. And then she's like, let me use the bathroom. Meets villain in the hallway. He's like, just go on in. I'll be in in a minute. And then Herman sees. <laughs> she skirts out of that place like Tokyo Drift. I think that's I think that's really funny. I don't know what we would do. I think it's just like chaos. And maybe maybe at the end, maybe there is some kind of relate resolution where cupid like figures out some way to help them understand how because at the end of the day and i think this is a conclusion that she would come to at the end of the session just before she brings both guys in is that she feels like arctis is only paying attention to her to get back at tally and tally is only paying attention to her to stick it to arctis and then she gets them both in the room and maybe it comes out that both of them really do love her and really do want to pursue her and Arctis just didn't understand how to show love in a way that she could she would feel and Tally for a long time has just been unable to even attempt to say anything because she's always been Arctis's girl like but now he has the chance and so maybe they walk out like well I'm gonna win and I'm gonna win and and Cupid is like, gentlemen, remember that it's her choice. And at the end of the day, what do you really want is for her to win. And they're both I like, love that's such a that is that is such a good place for that to stop. I love that. It's like cliffhanger, but on a positive note of like, you know they're gonna go into that and that she's gonna actually feel like for the first time in this entire thing, she came in because she was like, I don't know what to do. And then she was like, the hero's great, but he doesn't care about me. But the villain's great, but I feel bad for liking him. Because it's all about her not having the self-confidence in herself to like know how to say what she wants or stand up for herself to some element. And now she's actually being given the opportunity to have her words mean something, to have her... She is finally emerging in that confidence of, I get to make this decision. And it's not selfish of me to make this decision. I love it. I love it. Great. I love it. Awesome. Okay, so we are getting through time. 
Oh, yeah. So quick on a speed run. Here's what I think we're going to do. First of all, we have to do one more counseling session series. Oh my gosh, and... I forgot about Herman! Exactly. So we have to do one. We have to do Herman's Herman. co- some of Herman's conversations with Cupid. And then also his final wrap-up with this girl that's been giving him hints all semester. Oh, this is good. I love what you're doing with this. Week seven, we only have six. This is not Cupid related. This is finishing. This is the end of the semester. Right. So here's my idea for setting up Herman's plotline throughout all of this. So in week number one, you know, we're looking at kind of introductory sort of stuff. Cupid is getting Herman's life story. Why do you want to be a counselor? You know, what kind of got you into this field? And he gives the general answers of like, oh, well, you know, I had this great counselor in my life or like, I just kind of started this track. Now I'm here or whatever. Week number two, Cupid starts to kind of dig a little bit deeper and ask, hey, why don't you have a uh, girlfriend or any kind of romantic relationship at all for that matter? And Herman just kind of brushes it off. In week number three, Herman mentions to not actually believing in true love, but refuses to respond to asking for any more information. Week number four, in the middle of Herman responding to a a therapy session that kind of brings up the idea of heartbreak, Cupid introduces the idea of setting him up with someone that he knows. The following week... We had we had talked so we had talked about having Cupid set setting him up like a couple times and both of them failing disastrously or not failing disastrously but like that kind of bring out the story a little bit more and then I, I the, thought when we talked about that that we were like Cupid's like choking like being like I can set you up with a great bombing or something like that and it's like yeah ha 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 Cupid but I never actually thought that we were like not like Cupid was gonna try and set him up on a blind date or something. Oh, I, I 100% thought that he was just because I think I think it would be really funny. That is, I would say one. I feel like we can okay. we can do one. I don't feel like Cupid would push it past two once he sees how badly it goes. So maybe think, we take out well, week I four. Think, and instead of yeah. this, we do a surprise. It's a date. Good luck. Except, whoopsie, it doesn't work out. Why? I think so. Yeah. So week four, Cupid kind of says, uh, you know, maybe let's do something after work or whatever, or like just somehow sets uh, Herman up with someone. But when Herman steps into it, like he immediately sees what's going on and is just like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. I'm not I'm not doing this. And there's no nothing happens because he just backs out immediately. And so like Cupid, who's around the corner, I think I think like Cupid sends him to a bar with like money for a fancy meal or whatever. Like, and you just says, go treat yourself. It's Valentine's Day after all. Right. Go there. Here's this person. No pressure. Or like, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how it happens, but like he no, walks in. I feel in. like, yeah, I feel like the table that he had been given for a reservation already has a girl sitting at it. Sure, sure. Like he, so yeah. He walks in. He says, "Uh, then it's under Herman. We never gave him a last name, but it's you know under Herman." And oh yes, your you know your date or whoever is waiting for you. And he's like, "Is Doctor C here?" Like he walks over, Dr. and C? you know, it's not. It is not Doctor C that's sitting there. And he kind of sits down. Awkward conversation. He says, "Look, I really hope you enjoy your meal, but I I'm gonna be more comfortable if I'm not here." And he gets Aww. up and leaves. We stand however, a king who st- who puts his own boundaries up. However, he bumps into Doctor C, which is another another hint that that Doctor C is Cupid. Because what is Doctor C doing? He's gonna be there to shoot a couple arrows, but he never got the chance to. So he comes out and like happens to bump into Doctor C, and he's like, "What are you doing? Following me?" And Doctor C's like, "No, my house is like right down here. I just I I walk this street every week, definitely." every night yep this is just my thing to do he's like he's like what you think i would give you a coupon for the best meal in the city and not come and try some of the food myself like you gotta be crazy he's, he, he, pull, he pulls out he pulls out a second coupon he's like no i'm meeting my own date here i've got uh and he like points at a waitress like surely how you doing duds and she's like who the hell are you he's like ah she's Dorothy. playing with me a lot of love surely 
Sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, regardless that like all of this, Herman's now putting together like, like, oh yeah, there, there has been this girl that's been giving me cues and like, she's cool, but like, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. And so Cupid, this is the following week. And so Cupid is like, well, why not? And he's like, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. He says, he says, you're not my therapist. And, and then says, I'll see you next week. And or maybe like maybe that happens right before one of the final sessions in something like it, it happens. That conversation happens just before something somewhere. And he's like, I'll see you tomorrow or our job. So then I think after the love triangles last one, I think that's the last session he is a part of. And I think it's after that that he says something like, so do you not believe in a soulmate or true love? Because you gave them the ch- the choice. And Cupid's like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, I've only ever fallen in love for one person. And she she chose someone else. And maybe that's kind of the in, like, or maybe it comes up during the session. And Herman is like, I realize I'm just a spectator. And I'm not supposed to say anything here. But if I can give a word of advice for you two boys, I have been living in a world where the woman that I loved did not choose me. And as hard as that is, and as painful as that is, I am happier knowing that I am letting her live her best life and He's not able trying to, to speak into the session with good advice from right. and so, his paid. And so that's the Cupid's in. And so Cupid is kind of like, do you want to talk about that? And he's like, sure, I will. And he talks about it. And I think Cupid says something like, well, it sounds like Cupid hit you with a lifelong love arrow and only hit her with a summer fun or something like that. Like kind of an offhand, like joking sort of comment. And that's probably the the clincher for Herman where he goes away and he realizes like, wait a minute, he knew. Or maybe, maybe Cupid gives like one detail too many of like... Mm -hmm. And like, man, go that that just goes to show that Cupid should never shoot arrows when one person's on a boat and the other's on the dock. And like, that's yeah. how they met. And he's like trying to make it like, like an analogy of like, oh, she was ready to go and you were ready to stay. But it's like, no, we 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 met on a boat and a dock. But I don't think puts that to like, or maybe he he doesn't say anything. I don't think he ad- ever addresses Cupid. But I think I to think himself. that the censure is the adult diapers, personally. I feel like ever since he's just the whole rest of the, the, the series, he's just trying to convince himself, like, come on, I can't be right. There's no way I'm right, right? And then it's that, and he's like, yeah, Dr. C, good analogy. And he, like, uh, yeah. he, like, I get it, kind of acceptance thing. Uh, so anyway, he finishes his paper the following week, goes to hand it in, and bumps into his woman, who is the girl who's been giving hints this whole semester. And I think I think maybe she takes the initiative because I think she's been going on her own journey of learning her own strength. And so she takes the initiative and says, hey, I know the semester's ending, but I'd really like to meet up sometime. And we can just talk about class and that can be it, you know, or, some, or something like that. I hear it. Yeah. And his growth is that he accepts it and says, yeah, I think I really would like that. I love it. I love the girl asking him out first. I love it. That's good stuff, dude. That's good stuff. Okay. Wow. We did it. That is the most plot lines we've ever come up with. That's crazy. That 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 took us a while to do yeah. too. Like I don't know what this is gonna whittle down to, listeners, but we've been recording for like two hours. Uh, coming up on an hour and a half, yeah. Okay, gotcha. An hour and a half. But it was fun and uh it was intriguing. And I think it really gives people who might be thinking about writing a glimpse into what writing is. It's of Less course you get the plot. Side. Of course yeah. you get the fun, but you also have to put in the work. It's not always fun work. Like Yes. All right. Shall we run through and do our massive recap? Uh, So our story begins with Herman, who is a lowly intern attending Dr. C's counseling sessions in order to finish out his practicum for the semester. The first session that he sits in on is for a couple that the uh, man in the relationship, Richard uh, Horatio or Ratio McMahon uh, and his love interest, Miss Harley Fortune, uh, they found out that Ratio was in fact a secret billionaire and they've been kind of trying to figure out how that's supposed to work. 
for them. The first session, Herman's coming in towards the middle of their counseling. And in this one, the couple is ready to begin planning and implementing changes and strategies that will affect their behaviors. So those plans are made. They come back for the next session to find that this set of changes has shown some roadblocks and they begin to work that stuff out. The second round of changes likewise shows up in roadblocks in the following week. Things are beginning to look a little smoother. However, Horatio is struggling to change as he's a little stuck in his waist and his wallet. Uh, they discuss this during the therapy session. In the next one, the plan has been going much smoother and no more changes has to be made. The couple is ready to begin the closing out phases of this uh, counseling series. With the plan in place, the couple begins to discuss their success and celebrate all of their changes, but that doesn't mean counseling is done yet. Now they begin chaos planning, which means looking to the future to solve possible issues before they even begin. Uh, this session begin. This session ends with an argument about something they thought they had agreed on. The next session, the partners return more level-headed. They have talked the issue through themselves, however they still disagree. This session ends with a tentative resolution that requires thought and processing. There are two more sessions post this. We do not get to see how the situation resolves itself. All right. The miscommunication trope. Aaron Winters and Aaron Winters are a married couple who came to counseling originally because they just weren't communicating as thoroughly as their marriage needed. However, by the time that Herman arrives, they're halfway done more than halfway done with their therapy. During their first session, Aaron and Aaron come in to follow up on the change plan that they've spent multiple sessions creating and changing to fit their unique needs. They don't feel like this plan needs any more changing. They seem to understand what they need and like they're starting to trust each other more. Herman observes that they often interrupt each other and assume what the other is going to say, but they're getting a lot better at stopping and clarifying before continuing. Cupid decides it's time to move the couple into the last phase of their therapy. The couple is very excited for this. In the second session that Herman witnesses, we see some chaos planning, looking down to the future to solve possible issues down the road. Despite their amazing ability to rabbit trail down random thoughts, possible roads, and problems, the couple leaves the session feeling confident, but they decide they would like one more session to really finish counseling out strong in case any issues come up while they're chaos planning throughout the rest of this week. Finally, the last session is the final one for this couple. They feel like their changes have gone really healthily. They have glowing reviews for each other and how their week went. They're very thankful and they're no longer finishing each other's sandwiches, which is totally what the other one was going to say. Herman gets to observe a successful closing out and takes it in stride as he prepares for the new clients that will be filling this time slot. The next time slot that comes up is the fake relationship trope. Here, the couple pretends to be a actual couple, a real couple, a very real couple, and talks about how they met some basic issues that they are pretending to deal with and leave happy that they have continued this illusion. As they do so, however, Cupid turns to, or Dr. C, I should say, Dr. C turns to Herman and asks if he noticed anything odd about the couple. Herman doesn't at first, but as they kind of talk back and forth, he realizes that there was something definitely off. In the next session, it is revealed that yes, in fact, these two are not uh, a real couple. They have just been pretending to be so. They explain why that is, a fact that we didn't ever got to, so whatever, and begin to talk about some of the issues surrounding this uh, duplicitous arrangement. In the next session, with everything out in the open, they are able to be vulnerable and talk about things that they love and hate about their current life situations. At the end, they realize that there's a lot more that they agree on. Uh, than they originally thought. They walk out, but instead of waiting to get to the door in the public to hold hands, they take each other's hands well before and walk through the counseling office as an actual couple. We do not get to see the remainder of their sessions. All right. And finally, the last group, the one that Herman gets to observe a full six sessions with, is 
the love triangle. Our client has already had an introductory session with Dr. C, but has agreed to fill a new time slot in order for Herman to observe her very unique situation. She's still filling everybody in on her current predicament, and so she begins to open up about her two problem men and their vast differences. She specifically focuses on the hero of the story, Arctis, and how amazing and brave and valiant and barf-gross ick he is. She paints a mainly negative focus on the villain in order to point out how amazing her hero is, but she doesn't seem totally sold on all of the things she's saying out loud, both about the villain and the hero. At the next session, Cupid points out that Joel seemed pretty sold on Arctis in the previous session, and asks why she hasn't just dived right in with two feet. And Joe hesitantly opens up about her problems with the hero, how she doesn't feel like she matters to him as much as his morals, values, and extracurriculars, and how she feels often pushed aside and like she's not worth his attention, and begins to open up about how Tally, the villain, makes her feel the exact opposite how she feels special and cared for. But she begins to shut herself down because she states these are selfish reasons and that she shouldn't like somebody just because they pay more attention to her. But Cupid intervenes and validates her feelings, reminding her that she's allowed to want to feel loved and be paid attention to in a relationship. Joe leaves with more questions than answers. In the third session, Joe emerges onto the scene with a big problem. Tally and Arctis have found out that the other likes her, and have begun to turn it into a bit of a challenge. After a week of watching the boys slowly one-up each other, she's feeling exasperated and not sure she knows who to pick. In the next session, the client admits that even though the new attention has been a little nice, she feels more like the efforts of the two men is to get the goat of the other to annoy the other and one-up them. She feels like a pawn in their game, and she doesn't know what to do about it. Cupid encourages her to have more confidence and to stand up for herself. Joe leaves the session saying that she has a plan, but isn't quite confident in it yet. She tells Cupid about it over the phone a few days later, but Cupid decides to not tell Herman to uh, relish in his surprise. As the final session for Herman commences, he's surprised to see Arctis walk into the session with Joe. Joe excuses herself to the bathroom, and a few moments later, in walks Tally, equally as confused as Herman and Arctis. Cupid points out the window as the two men begin to argue, and Herman observes Joe running full tilt towards her car and speeding away, leading the two men, Arctis and Tally, to battle it out in person in the therapist's office. They end up admitting that they both really truly do love Joe, and haven't known how to show it in healthy ways. Cupid gives them some solid advice, but finds that most of the advice comes from the other. At the end, the men are preparing to leave, joking about how they're totally gonna win Joe over, and Cupid is serious and reminds them that they need to stop treating her like a pawn and allow her to make her decision for herself. Both men agree. And even though we're left on a cliffhanger, it ends on a positive note, feeling like there's some resolution for Joe and her love interests, Arctic and Tally. There we go. And we just went through Herman's story. So if you need a refresher on that, just back it up about 10 minutes and there you are. So thank you guys so much for coming on this two-week adventure stuck in a therapist office. Yeah! Hope you guys enjoyed it. I know uh, we both did. So in the meantime, next week, we probably will be finishing out this month talking about... So it will be the first episode in March, actually. We probably will be finishing out our 400 February challenge, uh, talking about some of our favorite things that we've written. That's right. I know that we didn't talk very much about what we were doing for 400 February, but we have a reason for that. We're pretty sure that our last session is going to be a fun combination of some of the stories that we have been working on behind the scenes for this 400 February. So make sure to tune in so that you get all the fun details about all of the crazy stuff we've been writing and see if we can once again smash our creative worlds together and make a really cool story. Also make sure to give all of our social medias a check. If you want the names, check out a different episode. And while you're checking out a different episode, hit that five-star rating. And while you're hitting that five-star rating, I don't know, pet your dog, give your mom a kiss on the forehead. That being said, Scribe, do you want to close this out for this session today? Absolutely. Again, really, really thankful for you guys coming along on this crazy ride. I hope that you've maybe learned a little something. I uh, hope you've uh, had fun like we have. And all in all, have a great week. Stay safe out there and wander well. Goodbye.